On the surface, everyone looks fine. You walk past people, you say, how are you? Everyone says, I'm fine. But in reality, you've got 200 people who are, are very not fine. But you've got that perception that everyone is fine, so you feel you need to wear a mask. You feel you can't be honest about your sins, your struggles. Life as a mom can be really hard, and it can seem like we have nothing left to pour out. I'm Tina, and I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. Join me every week as we talk about God's purpose in our marriage and motherhood. Though at times those feelings of inadequacy can be overwhelming, there is so much joy to be had in the ordinary if we just take a few moments to find it. Pastors are broken people too just like us. No, really. It's not always easy to remember, but can be so helpful in our most difficult struggles. Today, I have the opportunity to speak to Alistair Chalmers, an assistant pastor in Scotland, who is just as broken as you and I are. He has chosen to use his struggle with depression and suicide to encourage others. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can you start off by telling us a little about yourself? Definitely. So I'm Alistair. I am an assistant pastor in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, I've just finished a degree uh, seminary, which I was doing for six years whilst, uh, so part-time for six years whilst, whilst uh, working full-time in the church. I do a lot of reading and I blog about kind of Christian books and recommend them to people and blog about other things like Christian life, church ministry, theology, all that fun stuff. Okay, so I kind of met you through Instagram, the connections of Instagram. And <laughs> yes. uh, I saw that that you were promoting or talking about this book that you had been a part of and uh, first of all, let me say that I believe that a lot can be gained from listening to the experience of others. Mm. And I also greatly value vulnerability. And you don't often see that, especially in our social media world where we like to put our highlights on display. Mm. Now, this, this book that you were a part of, The Pastor with a Thorn in His Side, you share your story. And I was wondering if you could share some of that with us today. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so it all started, um, strangely enough, over a Twitter conversation where a number of pastors, uh, we were just talking about our either past experiences with poor mental health and, and largely depression and anxiety as well. Um, and from there, we we realized that there were so many people in ministry who either have had in the past or who currently have depression, and it can feel very lonely. Um, and so we decided to all get together and talk about our experience. So my experience of depression is pre-ministry. So I was born and raised in a Christian home to parents down in North Wales. And then at around the age of 12, we moved to Romania to be on the mission field. And I was with them there for about seven years. 
And growing up, my parents would have said I was a Christian. Um, I think I probably would have said I was a Christian as well. I, but in reality, I just come to know what people wanted to hear. And I knew how to live the way people wanted me to live, at least on the surface. And when you go into the mission field, especially as like a pastor's kid as well, I guess that kind of just amps up and you feel that pressure to perform, which I did very successfully for a number of years. But behind the scenes, my life was was really a mess. Um, And I felt really lonely. So I could have been in a room full of people and our house was often full of people with teams coming from abroad. And I just, yeah, felt completely alone and isolated from everyone. Um, And I didn't really have anyone to talk to, which then those which fueled the, the, the depressive thoughts. So as time went on, the thoughts got darker and darker and, I, I made the mistake of not reaching out to anyone. Um, so no one knew about my depression or how severe things were until after the fact. And so over years, things got worse and I turned to self-harm. So I was harming myself almost every day because there were just times where I felt numb and I wanted to feel something. And the only feeling I thought I deserved was, was pain. And so turned to, to self-harm and then tried to take my own life on three separate occasions because of that feeling of isolation. And I, I believed the lies that were going on in my head that my family would be better off without me um, and that no one wanted me around. And that led to, yeah, uh, a good number of years of, of pain, which looking back now, I realized those were lies, but when you're in, when you're in that, in that moment, you, you, you can't discern truth from lies, which is why you need external people to come in and help you, which sadly I, I didn't have, which was, um, not any fault of anyone else. It was simply because I didn't reach out. So that's my, my story. Yeah. Uh, so you, you said you knew how to act Christian. Mm and to meet the expectations of others. I, I can say that I understand that. Um, because when you grow up and you're told and you know the Bible, um, you just, you know what to do and what everybody expects. And so you just Mm -hmm. do them. I'm personally, I'm a people pleaser. So if, if I know what people want, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. And, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I can, I can understand that. You also mention in the Book, you you talk about it as wearing a mask. Hmm. Um, why do you think that we do that? Why why do we put on this mask? It probably ties in with the lies that we tell ourselves. But yeah, yeah why why the mask? Definitely, um, that's a that's a really deep question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the mask. Um, I think we wear masks because we all like to pretend we're okay. We like, we walk in, say for example, a Sunday, Sunday morning service at church, mm-hmm. you walk in on a Sunday morning, you've got, say for example, 200 people there on the surface. Everyone looks fine. You walk past people, you say, how are you? Everyone says I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least that's what they do here in Scotland. Um, but in reality, you've got 
200 people who are, are very not fine. But you've got that perception that everyone is fine. So you feel you need to wear a mask. You feel you can't be honest about your sins, your struggles. Largely, I think a lack of discipleship plays into it as well because we're not training people or teaching them what true emotions look like, what true accountability looks like, what true wrestling with sin, putting sin to death, all those things. We don't we don't really talk about them that much from up front, maybe in a church, which leads to people thinking, well, if if it's not being talked about, surely I'm the only one struggling with this. And if I'm the only one struggling with it, then I'm not going to talk about it because I'm weird, uh, which is just not true. Um, so I think there's that. I think there are plenty of other other reasons as well, but that's probably one of the main main ones. Yeah, I I personally find vulnerability mm. to be encouraging, mm. um, and and it I don't know, it lifts it kind of lifts me up spiritually, you know, because there's that uh, I don't know camaraderie. I'm not alone in this. Um, mm. Definitely. And sometimes, sometimes this is just sitting with somebody and just listening. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah. I want. I want to be more more vulnerable. And sometimes I feel as though I, I say too much. Now, in talking about depression, hmm. depression does not look the same for everyone. How you described your um, experience and struggle with depression, which you may still wrestle through. I mean, or do you mm. think you've kind of moved on? Yeah, I, I wouldn't class myself. I wouldn't say I have depression anymore. Uh -huh. um, there are still hard days. Like everyone mm -hmm. has hard days, um, but I, I wouldn't say I'm, I have depression anymore. No. Right. So, and Thankfully, it by God's yeah. grace. My initial experience with depression was postpartum. And so when you're talking about the feeling alone, feeling numb, I, I described those, those times as my dark days. Mm. And I couldn't figure out any other way to, to talk about it. And my, my struggles, though, they're, they're not identical to yours. Mm. And I can't assume that everything that you experience is going to be the same as mine. Just mm. like I can't assume that of anyone else or you of anyone in your congregation that you're talking to. Mm. There's also a struggle to talk about it. And I found that there's a fear that no one will believe me or mm. worse, that they'll try to convince me otherwise. I think in, in the setting I was in, I thought that it wasn't bad enough there were people around me who were struggling with more mm. practical things. So we, we were in the mission field dealing with um, severe poverty among uh, among people where we, we were living. And so I thought, well, that's practical things they need help with. And my issues seem to just be me. Um, and so we need that out of the picture. Um, and you, it's that comparison thing um, where you're comparing your struggles to someone else, which never actually really helps and so one of the the key things that i i do anytime i meet someone 
who or disciple someone who is struggling with a with poor mental health whether that's depression or, or other things we normally meet in a coffee shop or in my office at the church and i lay all the cards on the table and i say look this is me uh, this is my experience our experiences will probably be very different you don't have to feel the way i felt you don't have to have done the things that i've done or, or whatever but i'm just giving you basically opening the book and saying this this is me this is who you're talking to i'm not going to pretend to be anything i'm not um and just as i hope in any discipleship relationship you want the other person to be vulnerable i think i also need to be vulnerable in that and like you say it does encourage you over the last number of years since i've opened up about my my past with depression i have been massively encouraged because people have come and said thank you for opening up that really actually encouraged me to do the same and it means that more people are opening up and not struggling in silence like i did and so the more that can happen i think the better church we're going to be globally as we open up and, and and realistically we glorify christ in our good times and in our struggles so it was charles spurgeon who said um i kiss I kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. So it's that suffering that pushes you towards Christ, which encourages you to grow. And why why not share that with others so that they can do the same? Yeah, I, I was hoping you would mention that that quote because that was really encouraging to me because mm. um, you, you had that in the book. And I was just wondering, how do you learn to live that way? And to think of it that way as, wow, this is such a blessing. I, for me, the, the, the self-harm, mm. which I can, I thought I was crazy and, and I never followed through on anything, but at, in the moment I could never really see is this is great. Mm. Wow. What an opportunity. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It. <laughs> It took me a very long time to get there. Um, and actually, my my thinking on that only changed later on in life after I was dealing with other suffering that wasn't related to my depression, but physical suffering that I went through and I'm still going through. Um, it took many years of, I think it's right to say anger. I was I was angry at the stuff I was going, that I was going through. Um, and, I guess fueled by hearing wrong things as well. Christians out of their heart being in the right place, but saying really hurtful things um, like you're a Christian, you can't have depression. You should be feeling the joy of the Lord and, and all these things which I hear and uh, make my skin crawl. Um, uh -huh. And I think just trying, hearing those things being said to loved ones around me and to myself as I was I was suffering um, fueled me to get my head into the Bible <laughs> initially to, to prove them wrong um, and in that desire to prove them wrong I was actually massively blessed as I kind of just got into scripture and saw that the suffering I'm going through or the suffering that I have been through is it gives me a it gives me a choice. Any kind of suffering can either push me away from God and make me hate him and run away from him, 
or it can push me to him. And I think once I realized, well, actually, it's going to be much better for me if I run towards God, the one who created me, the one who knows me far better than I know myself, the one who sees the whole plan of everything, it's much better to go to him than to try everything on my own. Um, that and at a few years in there as well, I think that's what really changed my opinion on what brought me to the point of saying, actually, my suffering is a can be a force for good if it is put in the hands of a good god who knows and wants the good of his people so those um probably well-intentioned believers who Mm. will spout off you know these christian platitudes or or verses about trust in the lord and he will direct your paths it's not that it's not that the Bible is incorrect. I, yeah. That's all true. But how how do we walk with someone, and and maybe that is maybe that's it. Walking with them instead of just throwing scripture at them. Mm. Like what what what's a better way to go about helping others as that's they're dealing? Question. I mean, we already talked about being vulnerable, mm. but is there any anything? I else? think one of the one of the big things that I'm seeing in in the UK anyway is the issue of time. We are very we're focused on productivity. We want things to be done quickly, have everything sorted. You kind of want stuff to be dealt with in one meeting. With someone's mental health, that's just not gonna happen. So one of the key things um I talk about anytime I, I talk with um either people who are struggling with their mental health or with those who want to know how to care for those who struggle better. The key thing I say is you need time. You you cannot say here is your one hour a week that you have um, and you can't really go outside that because I'm just a very busy person. It's not that neat. And you need to be in it for the long haul. So walking with someone with depression it's not going to be over in a few months and you're going to have to go over the same things again and again and again and the same biblical truths again and again and again because the lies are constantly there telling them that they are not loved, they are not worthy. And so one of the things, one of the places I'll often go is Genesis Genesis 1. You are made in the image of God. That means you have wonderful worth. You have dignity. You have you have the privilege of being an image bearer of God. And so spending time with people is massively important because they, it takes a while for someone's thinking to change on all those things. Um, So there is no end date on a discipleship relationship with anyone in my mind. You need to invest the time in someone and see it as important because they are a fellow, fellow brother or sister in Christ who are in need. And ultimately, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm not a mental health professional. So I will do the spiritual side of things and I'll make sure that they are seeing the professionals that they need to. That is a necessity. But being available to listen, to cry with, and to rejoice with as well. And to celebrate the small wins. Because I think one of the things that poor mental health does is it robs you of the ability to see a win to see a success 
and that success may be you manage to go shopping um, without freaking out or you manage to get out of bed and have a shower that day. That's a win. Um, so celebrate it. But you can only do those things if you spend time with someone. So um, we need to practice patience. Definitely. And be ready to be on repeat mm. in speaking the truth and love mm. against those lies. Definitely. Yeah. You did mention encouraging them, since you are not a medical professional, encouraging yeah. them to seek the help of medical professionals. I know growing up, um, doctors and medication were said to be crutches. Mm. So for me, I know I was, I was afraid to actually go speak to my doctor. My husband told me so many, so many times. He said, there's nothing I can do to help you. I don't know what to do. Please go talk to your doctor. And I made up every excuse not to. Um, finally, when I did, I was very relieved to find out that she as well was a believer and had practical practical tips along with the medication to help. Um, is there... Have you ever had to try to, I guess, convince somebody, I don't know, convince is the right word, that seeking medical help is okay? What do you say to yes. somebody who's resisting seeking outside help or someone who just sees it as a spiritual problem? Hmm. Yeah, this, this is where it gets quite difficult because I think there can, there can definitely be um, spiritual reasons for depression for someone's poor mental health but it isn't always the case and i even if there is a spiritual reason behind it it is not a bad thing to go to a doctor um uh, so i would normally go to god's common grace by god's common grace he has given us wisdom and he has created us in a world where science is ever growing and evolving. We're learning more about the human body and all those things. And in recent years, the development of mental, the development of resources for those who struggle with their mental health has grown exponentially. And I think to sit, to say that we shouldn't be going to those because we have Christ. It's a bit prideful. Uh, and foolish because Jesus never says come to me and you'll get you'll be fixed he never says you'll be fine we are we are still in the world we still suffer from broken fallen bodies our whole world is still affected by the fall and so I would point people to those realities but then I would also very simply just say well if you had any other ailment you would have no problem going to the doctor what is it actually that's stopping you? Because most often it's not actually, in my experience anyway, most of the time people don't want to go to the doctors because they think they, they think they shouldn't have to. They think they should be able to get over it themselves. And that's just not, not possible. Um, I think medication is, is, is great. It takes a long time to find it and find the right one that works for, for different people. Um, and I think it's a resource that God, by his grace, has given us that we should be using. Are there any passages in scripture that you find yourself running to 
most often or mm-hmm. suggesting others uh, dive into? One of the key ones that I would go to is John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that was that was key in me becoming a Christian and me wrestling with my depression back when back when I was kind of going through it because I realized I was doing everything out of my own strength or trying to do everything out of my own strength, which was just fueling the dark times as you described them. Um, so I would go there. I would also go to a lot of the Psalms and mm-hmm. just say, look, <laughs> the feelings you currently have, they're in the Bible. The, like, I think so often Christians are afraid to say, I feel terrible. Like, I feel like I want to die. Then I would say, okay, great. Let's turn to Job. Let's let's look at Job. Let's see what he says. I had the privilege of preaching it just over the summer there. Um, and it was great to dive into it and just tell the congregation, if you are feeling like this, you are not alone. There are faithful people who the Bible says are faithful believers, faithful people of God, who have felt those same feelings. So Job would be a, a big one. John 15, 5. Um, Psalm 88, darkness is my closest friend, kind of Psalm 13, Psalm 76, um, a, a number of those Psalms. But also, I wouldn't shy away from the joy that scripture gives as well. So I would, I would go to Revelation 21. I would tell people to look forward to that wonderful new creation where there is no more pain, there is no more crying, no more sin. And to focus on that wonderful truth that there a time is coming where God will dwell with his people forever. And that is the end of depression that every Christian should be looking forward to with eager anticipation. Yeah, being able to look at it as we're broken now, Hmm. but there's something better. That has actually helped in a lot of our conversations. Well, the conversations I've had with our three boys, Hmm. because they'll say, why did so-and-so hurt my feelings? Or why is this a problem? Or, and so Hmm. it's, it's almost easy to be able to say, oh, well, you know, we're in a broken world. Isn't it wonderful that there's something better out there? Yeah. Um, Romans is that Romans eight kind of time of groaning um, that the Bible hmm. describes. Yeah. Yeah. I, as you were mentioning Psalms, I, I know I've had so many times where I've been reading a Psalm and thought, wow, David kind of going a little deep there. Um, or, uh, I don't know, just sometimes when he, he just seems to get so emotional and he's calling down death on all kinds of people anyway. I, but he had big feelings and mm. he wasn't afraid to express them mm. and be open to the only one who could truly understand. Yeah. I, I guess that's the kind of context in Scotland. Anyway, um, we have a kind of culture where men don't really talk about feelings and it's kind of a, a bad thing to do. You can't, you can't say that you're not feeling fine. <laughs> um, but actually saying, no, okay, King David, yep, he was a king. He <laughs> was a warrior and all these things. And yet he still, uh, I can't remember exactly the reference off the top of my head, but he describes his pillow being wet 
from tears at night. It's like, it, it's okay to cry. It's okay to not be okay. A huge thank you to Alistair for chatting with me today. Knowing your story has impacted me. If you would like to hear more from Alistair, I have put the links to his blog and social media accounts in the show notes. If you are curious about the book, The Pastor with a Thorn in His Side, that information is in the show notes as well, along with a discount code that is good for this month. Thanks for listening today. If you have been struggling with mental health, please reach out and don't be afraid to talk about it.